Hello and welcome to my podcast, Everyday Wife. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Annalise. I'm a 24-year-old wife, mother, homemaker, and I write over on Instagram at feminine underscore not feminist, which is likely how you found me. But if not, you can go ahead and check that out. In any event, glad you're here. Welcome. I'm going to dive into today's episode uh, soon, but before I begin, I do want to talk about a product that I was sent that I've been using and enjoying, and I'll also be showing this on my Instagram today, so go over and check it out to see what this product actually looks like, because I'm just going to describe it. Um, I was sent an acupressure massage mat by Pranamat. And this massage mat was designed by scientists to help with a variety of ailments. So everything from sleep problems uh, to back and neck pain to headaches, um, tension, even cellulite and a number of other things. And it basically works by um, releasing endorphins, increasing the intensity of blood flow, reducing inflammation, improving lymphatic drainage. And it uses these lotus shaped spikes to offer a deep massage. So you lay down on the mat and receive the massage. Um, The materials of the mat are ethically sourced. It's 100% European made, no sweatshop labor, and it abides by European standards for safety for the materials. I was excited to use it personally to see if it would help with my sleep because for a long time I've struggled with getting deep restful sleep, not falling asleep when I wanted to. I can honestly say the first day I used this, I noticed a dramatic improvement in my sleep that night. I actually felt rested when I woke up in the morning and I have continued to be to enjoy improved sleep and it has been wonderful. I also like to use it just to relax after a workout or a walk or before going to bed. It feels so good. It like basically I just lie down on the mat for 10 to 15 minutes. Um, it's very intense at first. Um, and that like the spikes are really giving you a deep massage after about five minutes, you kind of start to move around. It's really, really nice and very relaxing. Uh, the other area I was interested in seeing its effects on was headaches. Cause I get those from time to time. And one night I went to bed with a headache and I woke up in the middle of the night. It was still there. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to try laying on my prana mat pillow. And I was able to go back to sleep and notice my head headache dissipated. So I'm going to continue using it. I've been really enjoying it. If you're interested in trying it out, you can go to their website at pranamat, P-R-A-N-A-M-A-T.com and use my code A-N-N-E-L-I-E-S-E, all caps. So that's my name, Annalise, for 20% off. Um, They're also doing an offer right now that includes a small massage hedgehog with your purchase. Um, Basically, it's just like a small hedgehog shaped thing that you can use for more concentrated neck head massages or to target whatever region you'd like. And the other thing I want to say is that it is, uh, it has a 30 day trial period. So if you want to try it out for 30 days and you're like, nope, this isn't worth my money. This is not something I've paid for. It's not helping. Then you can return it. Um, and get your money back. So you're able to try it and see for yourself if you like it. Um, Again, if you'd like to use it, my code is capital A, capital N, capital N, capital E, capital L, capital I, capital E, capital S, capital E on a lease. For 20% off, that is an affiliate link. Um, And go ahead and check out what it looks like on my Instagram if you would find yourself interested. All right. So today, I am going to be sharing a little bit of the background behind me starting my page on Instagram, um, Feminine Not Feminist, which is probably how most of you found me. And 
I'm going to be sharing a little bit of background on how I started it and tips for anyone who is interested in doing something similar with their social media. Maybe you don't want to talk about the same things, but basically just voicing your opinions and then talking about some logistical questions. So I want to give a little bit of a background to my social media history and my story. Um, I have had social media for a number of years. I, I, I mean, I was on Instagram, I think maybe when I was 16, I got it. And of course, it was back when Instagram was like just pictures of like what you ate for dinner with some filter over it and just finding out things about your friends or their prom pictures or whatever. That was the Instagram. And I had my personal page and didn't really follow any like informative or theology pages, really. It was just following my friends. Um, I started to to get more into it and follow bigger pages and always kind of felt like, man, that's something I would really like to do. Um, I don't know how you get to that point. Um, I have a lot of things I'd like to share, but, you know, and so I just kind of kept it as this desire and prayed about it a little bit. Um, After I got married, I started a page. I had my private, my personal page, and then I started a page that was actually called Everyday Wife. So that's where I got the idea for this podcast name. But The idea was everyday life, but everyday wife. (laughs) And I actually, I wish I still had that account just for reference because, um, and more on that later, but it was just this fun account that really didn't get a whole lot of followers, maybe a few couple hundred. And I would share like, oh, I made this dinner tonight and um, I made these gluten-free, you know, orange chicken or whatever. Um... Or I would share items that I had thrifted for really, really cheap and I would make outfits with it. And so it was like frugality, budgeting, modesty. I wasn't sharing any controversial opinions, really. It was it was more like the homemaking young wife aspect of it. So that was shortly, some, some time after I got married, I started that. Then I began to have issues with social media in terms of my own boundaries, really giving into covetousness and envying people and idolizing it. And it was negatively manifesting in my marriage. Um, And so after, well, I would say I, I thought about, you know, maybe I should just delete all my social media. And I was kind of scared by the idea, but one day after church, I went outside after church and I just deleted everything. I deleted my personal, I deleted my everyday wife page, and I also deleted my Facebook at the time. Um, and yeah, it was basically this purge from social media for myself. I still had Pinterest because I like Pinterest for, I don't really struggle too much with covetousness on Pinterest, <laughs> just get good recipes and things. But I went a a, I don't know if it was six months or a year or somewhere in between without social media. And it was actually an amazing time. Um, my, it, it, it helped my marriage. I mean, it was amazing. And so I understand the irony of what I'm talking about here that, um, you know, I'm telling you 
tips and tricks for if you want to start your page, but also recognizing before I got to that point, I went through a time of purging my social media, not having it, living without it, and it was really great. I started to sort of miss it after a number of months, however long it was, um, and eventually like found myself looking up pages that I was curious about um, like through the web browser. And I realized, okay, so I would like, this would be a lot easier if I just had Instagram. So January of 2020, I believe it was, I decided to re-download it and I started an entirely new personal page. And, um, that was, you know, mainly for my friends and family and whoever felt like following. And again, no controversial opinions, just sharing stuff. Um, I, was quickly reminded of some of the issues that happened before when I had my social media. And so I'll talk about this later, but setting boundaries with yourself and accountability and such. Um, but this was January, 2020. I recreated a, an Instagram page and still had that desire internally to share my thoughts and to share them in a more organized, cohesive manner because I would kind of put stuff on my stories if there was a, you know, maybe an event uh, taking place and just give my two cents on it. And, you know, sometimes people would be like, wow, thanks for sharing that. I, I resonate or whatever. And so it slowly started to get a little more controversial um, because I have that desire, that innate desire to to write. And it just kept coming out. So eventually it was actually... I think it was May of 2020 it, or maybe it was April. Maybe it was April or May of 2020. I actually started a, another account because I wanted to make eating disorder recovery uh, posts and I quickly realized that the eating disorder recovery world on Instagram was not a super positive place. Uh, I'm not going to go into that, but not a lot of people coming at it from a Christian perspective, um, a lot of bitterness and just stuff that I, I didn't like. And so I actually got a, a number of followers pretty quickly um, and people were liking my posts and things like that, but it just didn't reflect where I was at at the time um, because, yeah, I felt like it wasn't it wasn't actually helping me or anyone really. So I started that page and then kind of phased out of it. Um, or I, I actually, I had it, but it wasn't really doing much with it. And then I realized what I actually wanted to talk about, which was biblical womanhood and marriage and things like that. Now, I'm not going into the entire story behind what took place in my life that brought about me starting this page. But I'll just say this, I hit rock bottom as a person <laughs> and came face to face with my sins and my behaviors and I saw the trajectory that I was going down if I did not change and went through a time of really asking the Lord um, to, yeah, asking him for forgiveness for sins that I was habitually participating in, in my marriage. Um, and there was one night I, 
hit rock bottom and I rolled in a pile of mud. <laughs> yes, I did. I rolled in a pile of mud and um, I I don't know. I look at that. I only bring that up because I look that at, uh, at that as sort of like a pinnacle moment of I have hit rock bottom. I am rolling in mud. This is, yep. Um, so I can only go up from here. <laughs> and I wasn't sure. I'm not sure how long after it was that I started my page, but um, I had started to repent, to apply biblical principles of submission and respect and honor in my marriage. And I was seeing good fruit from it. My husband and I were very um, just jovial and joyful. I was, I was finally being the wife that I was called to be. I'm not saying that I have perfected in this area. I have a lot of work to do and old patterns can always come up. But basically I reached this point where I was like seeing just so much blessing from, um, from doing marriage God's way, according to the Bible. And I was also following some other biblical womanhood pages, just like a couple and enjoying some of the wisdom I was getting there and really wanted to participate in that community. And so I said, you know, the, the eating disorder recovery page, that is not really what I want to be sharing about. I want to be sharing about marriage and, um, and femininity because that was another part of my journey is embracing my womanhood. It, it all went together. So in June of 2020, um, I started this page. I also had a lot of time at this time. I had a lot of free time at this point in my life. Um, this was after this was, you know, COVID and everything, but where I live, it wasn't, I was still working in person. I was working at a grocery store. My husband was still working in person. So we were just working, but like a lot of social activities in our life had slowed down and we just spent a lot of time just us. And it was a really sweet season, uh, for us. So I, um, I was just in a good place to start this page. So I started it and now I'm curious looking back what my first post was um, because I know that I, I mean, I have changed how I do things so, so much, but I started talking about really basic principles like not comparing your husband to another man. I talked about modesty um, and like what what is modesty and it's something I would talk about. It's a way of rebelling in a peaceful way, you're rebelling against the world's expectations and standards. Um, I talked about serving your husband and recognizing that serving is not lesser. It's not something that um, is a term, a derogatory term. It's a term of of honor to be a helper, right? And to serve someone because Jesus was a servant. Um, so I started sharing about these things and people quickly started resonating and I was surprised. I remember I shared a post and I saw someone else had reshared it. And I was like, oh, that's odd. Someone is resharing my stuff. And then I began to see it more and more and more. And I was like, this is different. Um, and I also just began to build this community where I was meeting other like-minded women. And it was so positive and wonderful. Okay, I found some of my old posts and they were not, they were not aesthetically pleasing. I would go into my stories and type something up and, you know, put a little, some text, slap it over a picture I had taken and throw some silly filter over it and use it as a post. Um, and so, you know, my first post was just an introduction. This is who I am, right? 
And then um, stuff like this. Never compare your husband to another man. Rejoice in who God made him to be and encourage him in that. You know, and I was speaking out of my own struggles. I still speak out of my own struggles. I was speaking out of my own heart. Um, let us never think too, let us never think ourselves too high and lofty to be a servant. Christ was the most humble and obedient man to ever walk the earth. He is our glorious example, right? Uh, we're often taught the power of our words, but rarely the power of our silence. Learn to use both. Holding one's tongue is a powerful thing. So things like this or, you know, modest outfits. Um, I thrifted this, you know, and just using hashtags to sort of for people to find me that were interested in what I was sharing. Eventually, I moved to Twitter to type to, to write my posts because uh, that's what, what I w- saw other people doing. Um, I think the other funny thing worth sharing is that my first um my, my first handle was actually not feminine, not feminist. It was radical submission. <laughs> and um, I changed it to feminine, not feminist. Um, and when I was on Twitter, it was wifey thinks a lot. So and now it's feminine, not ist. Um, but yeah, so I moved to Twitter and just started sharing screenshots of my tweets, not really working on the aesthetics very much, but slowly, slowly improving. Um, also started just I don't know, improving my writing. I think over time, um, I, I have to de- was developing the art of being succinct and also clear. Um, so here was one of my my earlier tweets and it did well. Entitlement creates a vacuum that will never be filled. Gratefulness is a cup that continually overflows. Another one was the only dream I want to chase is radical contentment where God has placed me. So yeah, and then I would share pictures and I was balancing my thoughts with also little clips from my life and sharing who I am with others because I understand wanting to be anonymous. And I think if someone desires to be anonymous and just shares their thoughts, totally respect that and understand that. But for me, I wanted to also be for people to see that I'm just an average girl behind the screen, just an average young wife trying to obey God's word, trying to apply the scriptures to my heart and my home and my marriage And so balancing my thoughts with also, you know, I made this for dinner tonight and here's a recipe. And so I think that combination of personableness and clear, concise posts is a really great balance because people don't just want to connect to your ideas. They want to connect to you. Um, So and I'm, I'm still actually right now I'm looking at my old uh the old posts, um, I would put, you know, quotes. Um, I did one, we need to stop turning over every stone to find something that offends us. Um, you know, modesty concerns how you speak as well as how you dress. So pretty simple stuff. Um, and, you know, experimenting with, um, with editing and things like that. I still wouldn't say I'm a very good post creator. I do a very simple rubric for how I do it, but it works. So um, I began to very quickly build up a following. And, you know, I wasn't doing the whole, I wasn't promoting my posts. I've never bought followers. I've never paid Instagram um, on this account. I've never paid Instagram to show anyone my posts or to advertise them. It was very organic growth using hashtags was helpful because there's a lot of people that will follow, you know, modest fashion or biblical womanhood or submission or whatever. And so I think that using 
hashtags was a really great way to start. But once I had built somewhat of a following, I I grew by people just sharing my content or by enough people commenting on my post that the algorithm put it on people's explore feeds and they found me that way. So I think it's um, at the beginning, if you're going to start sharing stuff, you kind of have to put a little bit more effort because before you have a community of people that will be sharing your posts, then you do want to use hashtags. And, um, you know, there's, there's just different ways of getting your posts out there. The other thing I will say is I was also pretty active on my stories from the beginning. I think that helps with one, building that community, two, helps people see your posts when you share them. And then if you go on and talk about your posts, then people are engaging with your content in a new way. You're facilitating a discussion, doing Q&As, inviting people to give their thoughts on something you've said and sharing that. So you're not just creating an echo chamber of your own thoughts, but actually inviting people to talk. Um, And so this was just kind of my slow progression. I don't know numbers of, you know, how quickly I went from, I think in the first month I had 600 followers. I thought, this is good. This is a, this is pretty cool, steady growth. I could not have dreamed of where it was going. Um, Even though I kind of had always desired to share on a large scale and actually prayed about it. I mean, it was just, it's, it was shocking to me how quickly it grew. But basically in one year, I went from zero to 70,000 followers, give or take. Yeah, it was about 70,000 in the first year. I just celebrated two years of this page. So within one year, zero to 70,000 followers. I can honestly, one, I attribute it obviously to the Lord, but I do want to talk about things that I've learned because I really, I love seeing other people grow and get out there and share truth. And so I am happy to share the things I've learned. Um, So I've talked a little bit about right at the beginning using hashtags and things like that. But it is so important to engage yourself in a community because you're not, you don't want to be doing your own solo in a vacuum thing. You get on post, maybe that's how it works for you. You get on post, leave. You want to build a community and you want to connect with people. And so one area that I've actually been very bad at, but I notice other people do this well, but that's engaging in their comment section. For me, I felt like I couldn't do comments and DMs. And so I focused on DMs and I still focus on DMs of really trying to to answer them in a timely manner and not let them pile up. But I'm terrible at my comment section. But for some people, they focus on the comment section. I think both are fine. For me, focusing on DMs, really listening to people, even if I can't help them or whatever, and just say, hey, I think this is something you should talk to someone in your real life about. But listening to them, um, if someone comes with a disagreement, not shutting them down or shaming them or saying, well, you know, I'm right, but just engaging with them kindly, gently, same with the comment section. I wanted it to be a space where people could disagree and they would be treated with respect and dignity and not just shoved out. And I think that is a really important piece of this is how you treat people with your page and the attitude that you possess with it. It has to be an attitude of, I'm just here sharing. I'm open to correction. I'm willing to see, you know, if I'm off about some things. Um, And so not just 
blocking and disregarding anyone who has a different opinion of you. Um, that's not, it's not a good way of doing things. So that was one of my primary things from the beginning is the way you treat people. Also the community that you build. So that means following other people and engaging with their posts. Like it's not, it's, I, I highly, highly encourage if you're going to do this to find your people because I have found my people on social media and continue to find more people that I support them. They support me. We, we like each other's posts. We share each other's posts when we feel like it. And it has helped tremendously. And, um, and it just makes it more fun too, honestly. So you don't want to be in an echo chamber. You want to invite disagreement and respond respectfully without feeling threatened or angry. Just respond. Um, let your views be challenged because it helps you to refine them. It's a good thing. Build a community. The other thing is I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my how I do my posts. It's a very simple format and I've seen a lot of people do all, all manner of personal styles that, that fits with them. And so that's great. But for me, just doing using Twitter and you don't have to use Twitter. You can use whatever you know platform you want to write on, but screenshotting my tweet. And then I would go to Unsplash and get free stock photos. So these are non-copyrighted photos that photographers put on their, uh, on Unsplash and anyone can use them. So you're not running into copyright issues. So I would find nice foot background photos and then I would use this app Canva, which is totally free. I mean, I have the free version and um, I would screenshot my tweet and use Canva to edit that tweet onto a nice background. And that has been what I've been using from very, very early on in my page. Still now, it works. I have done posts that deviate from that pattern, but people are still sharing these. And um, it's still an eye-catching, enjoyable format for posts. I think choosing your background photo is really nice um, or is a really important thing because um, you want it to be eye-catching but not so distracting that it detracts from the words. And another thing that I've noticed that I like to do is to find a background photo that corresponds indirectly to what I'm talking about. So if it's about marriage, I might have a couple in their, you know, a couple just holding hands, not showing faces necessarily, um, but just capturing that idea of marriage. Or, you know, if it's a, a post about homemaking, have, having someone kneading bread in the photo or whatever, because it, it gets that concept. And it's a really beautiful way of tying what you're saying with the imagery. And people like that. People like the aesthetics and that's okay. Um, so mainly grew through posts. But another thing I started doing before I even had 5,000 followers maybe is I started doing lives. And lives are an excellent opportunity for you to connect with your audience Again, um, people don't just want to see ideas. They, they want to see the person behind them. Like, that's what I want to see when I follow someone. Like, I, I don't just enjoy their eloquence. I enjoy seeing, you know, their garden and what they made for dinner because we're holistic beings. We like to see all of it. So, and that's a good thing. Again, if, if, this is a, if there's privacy concerns and all that, totally understand. And there are there are ways you can protect your privacy as you do that. Um, but 
I have found it to be very helpful from the beginning to really just be out there as a person. And uh, lives were a great way to do that. They're a great way to also share your heart on something in more than just 10 slides. And those were some of my favorite days of this page were the early days where I was going live and just kind of, you know, stream of consciousness about something that was on my heart. And they were excellent ways of connecting with people, of getting questions and fleshing them out and doing those questions justice. And I think the first time I went live, I actually just read some scripture. I didn't talk about it. I just read it. And it was just like a peaceful time women could, you know, they could be nursing their babies or cleaning the kitchen or doing whatever and just tune in and listen to some scripture reading. And then I began to do lives where I just um, shared my heart on certain matters, talked about marriage, talked about the gospel, talked about um, all sorts of things and even had my husband on one of them. And that was the most popular live to date. Also, again, with the community, started doing lives with other women I'd connected with. Those were so fun to be able to um, just broaden your reach. And also, again, you just have so much more potential when you're in a community and when your ideas are being um, bounced off of other people and you're not in an echo chamber. The other thing I want to talk about is that, okay, so, you know, writing posts. I've talked about all the logistics of that, but the hardest part really is sitting down and coming up with something to write about. And there's a lot of different ways that people can get into that creative space where they're writing. For me, a lot of my posts just came out of going on a walk and getting my endorphins, (laughs) getting those endorphins and, and just kind of creativity would naturally flow out of me going out of a walk because I would be thinking about something and it would just provide the right space for me to really let my words develop. And then I would go back and write a post. Um, But here's a few things I would say about the post writing process. There are different ways to do it. One, sit down, pick a topic you're passionate about and sit down and just write in your journal or on your computer, different things, write, just write about it. Um, Not, it doesn't have to be in a succinct post like form. This could be, you know, three pages of you just saying where you're at with a matter. Um, And the reason you do this is because it allows you to organize your thoughts. And then also you can go back and pull sentences that are clear and concise and take those sentences to compile something um, more organized in a post format. Like if you sit down and write and you're like, wow, I actually really like what I said on page two where I was exploring da-da-da-da-da, then take that sentence and use that to launch a post. So, you know, let your, just let the writing flow, let your ideas flow, and then go back and and work with what you have. The other thing is that um, what you might want to watch out for is it can be a double-edged sword. So a lot of my posts have come from seeing something that I disagree with and saying, okay, I want to make a response to that. And that can be a really good launching pad to talk about something that is a hot topic. But you got to be careful to not let that anger or I need to prove that them wrong become the focal point of your post. Like I'm so sick and tired of seeing it's like, okay, clearly you're reacting to something. You want to be proactive. You want to be gentle 
right? Because you can sense that I'm sick and tired and I just had to make a post to get to word vomit this out. So again, it's okay if you see something and you want to respond to it, but don't that reactive, intense, ugh, I need to prove them wrong. That doesn't, you know, take some time, write down your thoughts and construct them in a way that is gentle and not, and, and is responsive, but not harsh and reactive. Um, because I have done that before and it's not a good look. The other pitfall that is easily fallen into is feeling like you have to be an expert and talk about everything. And um, I have tried to stay in my lane as it were, but there have been times that I've gone out of my lane and it shows. And so, you know, it's okay to have your lane and you don't need to comment on every political thing. Um, You don't need to comment on the, you know, just any social current event that's going on, it doesn't need your reaction. Now, there's an expectation sometimes that because you have a platform, you will say something about it. And if you don't say something about it, you're whatever. No, but you do not need, um, you do not need to feel the pressure to talk about everything. Know your niche, niche, however you say it, and and stick to that because chances are your niche has a lot in that um, that you can explore and cultivate and um, yeah, and and do a lot with. So it's, it's really not limiting. It's just helping you kind of pinpoint on what you're good at. For me, that was biblical womanhood and marriage and homemaking and just that ethos. And it's been, it's been great. And I haven't scratched the surface. That doesn't mean I don't ever branch out and, you know, I'll talk about things that aren't specifically that. But in general, I try to stay within those bounds. I think the other thing too is that you, you have to learn, if you're going to be on Instagram, you have to learn Instagram as an app and you have to learn what it is that people are connecting with. And, and so, you know, it's, it's always changing because sometimes it's reels and people just want to see reels and grid posts are out and this and this and this. I was a big believer in, I just do what I want and people can join if they want, which I think is great. Um, but also learning the app, every app has a different attention span. People are on YouTube have, they're willing to sit and listen to a long video. That's why they're on YouTube. But Instagram may be a little different. So be aware of the different attention spans that people have. Um, you know, do people necessarily want to read super long captions or do they mostly want to read posts and then maybe have the caption just kind of be the cherry on top? That's something I've observed. Um, and so learning what you're seeing and not, not like being bound by these restrictions, because again, I do what I want. I post what I want. Don't be enslaved to the algorithm and don't be enslaved to, I have to do it this certain way. But I find that there's this healthy awareness of where people are at and making my content accessible to that general preference within reason. And again, not becoming enslaved to it. The other thing I want to say, because I I trailed off this a bit, to go back to the writing thing. You want to do a good job with your grammar and um, with the way that you phrase things. Don't be sloppy about that. It doesn't take that long to just make sure, have someone proofread it who knows what they're talking about. Make sure you spelled everything, use the correct theirs and theirs. Um, it, it really can help to have a separate pair of eyes. So 
don't skip that step of really trying to make you have your make sure you have your grammar down because you can have a great point and if someone there are many people who will see that and go I love what you're saying but you used a comma in the wrong place and it's bothering me and I don't want to share it so use pro- now some people probably will share cuz they didn't notice but those people who do take the time to make sure your grammar is correct and take the time to to frame your words eloquently. And I'm not talking about, it's like, I have my own writing style and other people have their own writing style and that's fine. Um, but even if you just like take some free, I don't know if there's like free writing classes or whatever, but watch some videos or just get a basic grasp of writing because that is what you're doing on Instagram. You're just doing it in a very short format. Um, but the same basic skills of writing and communicating and uh, rhetoric, right? Because it's not just, am I a good writer, but am I a good communicator? And I am I persuasive? Not persuasive in a deceptive way, but using rhetorical skills to build your argument and to communicate well and articulately with your audience. It's super important to, if you know, it's it's one thing to have good ideas, Lots of people have good ideas and it's another thing to know how to say it. So take the time to learn (laughs) uh, how to write in such a way and to develop your personal style um, in a way that is eloquent, articulate, and um, yeah, that, that communicates well with your audience. So I think that's pretty much all the questions um, or everything I'd like to cover I might do a part two of this if people really enjoy this. Um, and I hope this was fun and educational for you. If you are looking to start a page, I would I would say, you know, the, I'll, I'll address one last thing because a lot of people say, how do I deal with the hate and the unkindness? And I would say that is very real and you should be honest with yourself about your threshold. And you should be honest about how much you share and are vulnerable about because people will use your vulnerabilities to attack you and to be unkind. It's happened to me. The thing, though, you have to realize is you have to be humble when you, and I'm not saying I've always been humble. You have to be humble when you enter the social media sphere and recognize that you will be hurt, but also you will say things that will trigger things in hurting people, even though that's not your intention. And you will be misunderstood. And it is okay. You will be misunderstood. And then you will want to explain yourself. And then it won't be enough even once you've explained yourself. And so you'll want to explain yourself more. I've fallen into that trap. And I would encourage you, if you articulate as clearly and poss- as you possibly can what you want to say at the beginning. And you know you've been clear. Stand by that someone asks for a clarification, absolutely share that. But don't fall into the trap of constantly backtracking on everything you've said because someone misunderstood it. It is social media. It is not face-to-face. Misunderstandings are absolutely inevitable. So pre- prepare yourself for that. Take Do due diligence to try to prevent misunderstanding by being clear and kind and framing things in a winsome or in a a good way 
But recognize misunderstandings will happen. Recognize that there are just unkind people who will say mean things to you, about you, um, and know your personal threshold for that. Don't um, try not to take it personally. And also try to remember that, for instance, some of the people that have disagreed with me have actually stuck around on my page for a while and have slowly started to become uh, like it's a nicer sort of relationship because I didn't just block them. I didn't write them off. I didn't just say, you know, if you don't agree with me, you're out. I don't like this. No, be patient with people. Um, obviously if someone is being vulgar, nasty, you know, blasphemous, obviously freedom to block. Um, it's your page. You can do what you want, but yeah, recognize your threshold for what you can take and be prepared for that. And have someone that you can maybe talk about, talk to about this because sometimes mean things on the internet will be very hurtful. I've had people say crazy stuff about me and, um, and and I just have to recognize it's, it's part of sharing vulnerably, honestly, and boldly. It is inevitable. Last thing that I wanted to touch on is setting boundaries with yourself. This is not an area that I excel in. This is an area I would like to improve in. So just know that. Um, Not just in terms of time usage, but in in terms of emotional investment. Your family and your friends in your real life do not deserve to be second place to your social media life. So set the appropriate boundaries to make sure you are not emotionally investing to an unhealthy extent. Now, social media friends can become real, like real life friends. They have for me in many cases, and it's amazing. Um, And they're real people. So it's not like all social media is fake and these people aren't real, but just keeping in mind who God has placed in your life, first and foremost, your family, your friends, and not becoming so consumed in an online world that it takes away and detracts from that. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, set the appropriate boundaries. And if that looks like setting timers for yourself or having a, you know, I cap it out at two hours a day or whatever it is for you, um, that's not, I'm not saying that's what I do, but if that's what you need to do, um, totally reasonable. It's just only, you just have to be honest with yourself about your limitations. And if you find yourself becoming consumed, taking a step back and praying through it, and reordering your priorities is very, very important. All right. So yeah, I said I was going to be done, but I also realized I needed to talk about those things, boundaries and, you know, online interactions that can be really difficult. I'm sure there's other things I haven't covered. This was basically an introduction to my story behind social media um, and, and where I'm at. So yes, thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let me know um, and, you know, feel free to share it um, if that's interesting to you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.